I just started sharing and you know, I just gave what I did. There's days that were horrible. It was like, this sucked. But by the time I hit like day 56, I was too busy with deals coming in. I couldn't do the blog. So I, then I went back at day hundred, I'd made 150 grand because I'd shared and so much stuff was coming in from my network and that I was sharing. It just blew up like crazy. And I was like, I'm onto something here. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part Starting on a High Note series. In part one, we went through hour by hour in a day in Scott Carson's life as a real estate note investor. In this episode, we'll take you through Scott's career journey so you know what skills and experience are necessary to land a job as a note investor. From comms to business, from banking to ballparks, let's learn how he did it so you can too. The first question is, I I would consider you an entrepreneur. Crystal would too. I'm pretty sure you would agree. But uh, the first thing we ask all of our guests is, what did you want to be when you grew, when you were growing up? Were you Did you always have this entrepreneurial fire in you? Um, I've always had kind of the entrepreneurial fire. My dad owned a local hardware store. Uh, so I grew up in that from the time I was in the fourth grade, you know, cutting keys, cutting glass, running the register, always mowing lawns on the weekend, stuff like that. So I've always had the entrepreneurial bug. Um, when I got, went to college, uh, I wanted to be the next Dan Patrick from SportsCenter. Amazing. You know, I played college football. I was fortunate by an academic and athletic scholarship. So I played two years of college football at a D2 school. But my knee was pretty much shot after that. But uh, I liked, I started off in mass communications, transferred to the university was going to be journalism, transferred to another university and decided after taking a year off from school, just trying to find myself and, and transfer, I decided to go the business route. You know, my first year back or my first semester back after taking a year off from school, being a bartender and turn, turn, turning 21, my GPA went from a 3.4 down to like super, super secret probation. <laughs> okay. Four classes, I had an A, a D and two Fs. And so my counselor, when I was a you know, junior, he, he's like, you, uh, you need to do something really quickly in the next semester. Otherwise you can get booted out of college. So I got serious about it made the dean's list the last uh, two and a half years straight basically and and graduated at 3.4 but uh, you know I like business it was fun I like numbers so then when I graduated college I took a job with a you know net for 90 days for enterprise rent a car realized I didn't want to wash uh, cars in 100 degree heat here in Austin and then went into sales with Verizon Wireless where I really did well with that with the sales and, and stuff and then I uh Started getting my securities license and uh, loan officer's license, insurance license while I was still working at Verizon. And I went to work for Smith Barney and Citibank and did that for a year till I got laid off. And, uh, you know, that's that's the year that was really pretty tough for us. I mean, back in 2002, when I graduated from college, I, I mean, 2000 when I graduated from college, but 2002, I bought my first house and then we bought two investment properties and then I lost my job. So I was a deadbeat borrower. Me and my ex-wife at the time were paying six mortgages, three first mortgages and three second mortgages on a private school teacher salary of 35 grand. It, you know, 
Now, I mean, we were shaking the cushions for change to put for gas in the car to get us to work, hoping that the paycheck would come in on Friday, hit the account so we could go to the gas station and fill up on the way home. I was watching uh, your video on your website, right? And you mentioned it earlier, too, that uh, you got right out of school, you bought two investment properties. And in that video, you said, I did it the wrong way. Can you explain what you meant by you did it the wrong way? What were some of the things you thought were good? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. What- That's a good. I'm glad you brought that up because it's valuable for anybody that's looking to do that. So, like, we bought our, our house and we got 100% financing on our primary residence. We had a first mortgage and a second mortgage. Fine. It worked perfectly. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you're buying a house, great. Love the house. And then our realtor, nothing against our realtor. She's like, oh, you've got great credit scores. You should buy, be an investor. I'm like, oh yeah, great. I know everything because I grew up in a hardware store and I watched flip this house, okay? So then we bought two properties at full value. We didn't buy them at any type of discount. You know, we thought we were gonna rent them at the highest price. Oh, rent in the area is like 1,500. Your mortgage payment's like 1,000. Oh yeah, we can do that, you know? We didn't take any type of education. We didn't get really any coaching or, or talk to anybody. I just thought I knew everything. I wasn't coachable at that point. And literally, I got laid off about a month and a half later. And then here in Austin, at the same time, Dell, or hell, some people call it, uh, laid off a big part of the workforce. So our people that were going to rent that house couldn't afford the 1500 So I had to drop the payment down, drop the payment down to the point where I had to drop it below what our mortgage payment was. So like I said before, I'm making three first and three second mortgages on a private school teacher salary. We had stuff that was vacant. So I had to sell those houses off. I had to sell them on a short sale. You know, the only, and I, I joke, the only pre- people that made money on that deal was the realtors. If you're going to be an investor, you should be buying at a discount. That's the biggest thing I can tell you. And if you go to YouTube these days and Google in rental, you know, rental properties or rental property training or fix and flip training, there's so much free education out there. Please be coachable. You don't know everything coming out of college, even though we often think we do. Take the, take an opportunity. Heck, if you're in a market, you, reach out to me. I'll tell you who to talk to in that market. From there, Scott worked as a banker at J.P. Morgan Chase. That was obviously a more corporate route. Uh, did mm-hmm. you enjoy being in corporate? I enjoyed the steady paycheck. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think my salary is like thirty-five, but I was making close to like a hundred off of bonuses and in commissions at the time. Banking's a lot different now than it was, you know, over a decade ago. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I liked the fact of talking to people every day was the same, but it was different with people coming in and opening accounts. And I believed in networking. So I, I, I would always kind of, I wouldn't say I got, got in trouble, but I would get my hands slapped a little bit. Like you can't do that. Like I, we were doing happy hours in the bank from like five to seven with our business clients in my branch. And we, we were sending all these sales records because we had people coming in hanging out and having a good time. And they found out we were doing wine and cheese parties that they got all upset about with corporate. So that's what I, Disliked. I disliked having Big Brother telling you what you could or could not do or what you could help somebody or not help. And that kind of rubbed me wrong because I'm the kind of guy that really wants to help people. You know, like they told us, oh, you can't refer anybody to somebody outside of Chase. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If somebody wants a florist, I'm going to give them a client of mine. You know, you know, if they want to come in and notarize, have me, need me to notarize something, but it's not a Chase document, I can't notarize it. That doesn't make sense. So that was the things that, you know, irritated me, but it was really good. I liked it. Banking. If I ever had to go back and get a regular job, I'd go back into banking, but I think I'm unemployable at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that role then? It was a customer facing role and it was at a desk or what exactly were you doing? I was a banker. So you walk into the bank, you needed to open an account or start an investment. I was a a banker here for their branch in Austin, Texas. It was a, you know, the second largest branch is it's 75% Hispanic. 
uh, so Spanish speaking, and I hablo un poquito español. So, <laughs> uh, I use a lot of Google Translator to help me get through the job, but I did well, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. We were a little short staffed, but uh, I'm a big believer. This is for anybody that's out there. It's, it's dealing with people that speak a different language. If you embarrass yourself, like you're trying to help somebody talk to somebody, whether it's Google Translate or something like that, oftentimes they will people will appreciate that, and they often you know, most of the time. A lot of my clients spoke English better than I spoke Spanish, and we could make it work. But when they saw me embarrassing myself, they're like, "Oh, this guy doesn't know Spanish that well." So let's, I'll, I'll, I'll use my broken English, and we would get things done a whole lot faster. And then they would come back to me all the time. It was repeat business because they weren't, they knew I wasn't afraid to embarrass myself that I was really trying to help them. His next move was working for his friend's mortgage company as a senior loan officer, where he worked with retail and investment buyers to find the correct lending product that fit their investment strategy. It was in that same year that Scott decided to do something for himself that jump-started his note investing business. In 2010, with the market being where it's at, I had a business partner that I was working with as a realtor. We'd gone different routes. And the market was in shambles here. I had a couple of fix and flip properties that I bought that I, I you know, wrote checks to closing table to, you know, sell them because they, the values had dropped to them. And so in 2010, I literally sold everything here in Austin, my house, everything except my truck and my dog, when I'd gotten divorced at that point. And for, I, I was watching TV one night and there's those Visa commercials or the, those MasterCard commercials about buying, you know, hot dogs, seven bucks, tickets to the game, 50 bucks, you know, spend, you know, months with your son as you go to every ballpark priceless. I was like, oh, that would be fun to do. I'm a big baseball fan. And so I literally, and I love the power of writing down a goal. I think it's so important. If you have goals, write them down. So literally like that night, it was March, March 4th of 2010. I saw the commercials, baseball season was coming up a month away. So I wrote down, what would it be like, you know, where would I go to travel? I pulled up ESPN.com, looked at the schedule. Where would I go to hit all 30 ballparks? And I just wrote down these days just for the heck of it. Literally in that next four week period, I had like four real estate investment clubs or four periodicals reach out to me and ask if they could either have me come speak at their investment club on notes because they saw me what I was doing online or use a blog that I'd written and put it in their newsletter. And if I could come speak, well, the dates that they wanted me to come speak would corresponded directly when I would be in that town on this fictional baseball tour. Oh, wow. Oh, so. Total, total oh divine intervention. Yeah. My hair still stands up. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. And so, and so I literally, I was like, Hey, that's somebody telling me something. So sold everything, jumped in the truck and I headed off to Dallas and then to Houston. And then I was making my trip, you know, I hit South Florida and Florida was a mess um, with all the mortgage defaults and stuff like that. And, I had friends that would reach out to me and say, hey, you're coming to town, you can crash in our couch. We got a spare bedroom or a, a you know pool room or something like that. And what I thought would be like a 30-week trip turned into a, a three-year trip of traveling across the country and speaking and meet with bankers. And um, just it was just one of the most amazing things. I, I, I like to call it like the grassroots effort of running for office. You know, I was I was out shaking hands and kissing babies uh, for those three years. But it really revolutionized my business. You know, it was it was a leap of faith because you know. I think when I left, I had like 1500 bucks in my account. And I was like, you know, I'll figure something out. Worst case, I'll just call my mom and maybe she can wire me money and I come home and live with her for a little while. But, you know, it just, it, you know, I had things that happened that were just amazing. And somebody asked me if I wanted to teach a class, so I'd teach a class, make some money. Or I'd, you know, I'd, I'd buy a note and then sell it and make 30 grand. I was like, okay, I'm good for a while. And, you know, <clears throat> there's like three weeks in a row that every day I went to a different bank or two banks in a day. 
and would walk in in my suit and meet with a banker, the head, the vice president of this small branch and talk with them about their portfolio. And then you got a guy who's like 60, 70 years old, you know, gray hair looking down at you like, what do you know? And I'm, you know, short hair. I got like a buzz cut, um, you know, like I'm an ex-Marine. And that was when I was, I guess, 31. So I looked younger than I was. And they're like, what do you know? And I'm like, well, I know that you've got, you know, $75 million in bad debt in your books and 90 day, and 90% of it's after 90 days and it's in a depreciating market here. And he's like, oh, hang on a second. And then they would come back and get me like five minutes later and walk me into his private back room. And there on like conference tables would be just stacks and piles all the way from the, the floor to the ceiling of their loan files. And they're like, here's my assistant. Can you please buy some of this stuff from us? And I have like my students with me. Then their eyes would get all big. I'm like, oh, let's let's spend the afternoon here looking at some what they got. So if you're wondering how Scott got that information about what each branch had on their balance sheet, it's all public knowledge because every bank has to file quarterly reports with the FDIC. It tells you how much good debt that they have, how much bad debt that they have, and how late their loans are. It's all right there for you to see. So I also want to get into, you mentioned that you were like teaching classes wherever you could and you you have your own workshops through We Close Notes. Would you mind just talking about like how how you like sold yourself as an expert to be able to teach some sort of subject matter like to that very first client and like how I guess students could learn how to do that yes, as well? Yes, yes, yes. That's a really great question. I'm glad you brought that up because with the way it is today... And there's so much social media and there's so many things now that are so much easier to do than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Okay. So like I would just start sharing on social media, on like Facebook, Hey, here's a deal that I'm working on, or here's a deal that I'm working on. And I would just share that constantly. And everybody I met when I was going out networking somewhere here, I always got a business card. And the one thing I would do before I went to bed at night was I put them in my spreadsheet or in my database and then I would send them an email and say, Hey John, or Hey Adam, or Hey Carrie. It was so nice to meet you. You know, here's my contact information. Love to meet you for coffee or something at some point. Okay. I do, I still do that religiously after an event. And so that helped me kind of build a network of people across the country when I was doing the mortgage business of traveling. Okay. And I, cause I, I started, I started building a database and your riches aren't, are in the niches, but your, 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 your net worth is your network. It's still to that day. Okay. So I started sharing everything online. And then when, these investment companies or investment clubs called me up. They would always ask, Hey, do you sell a workshop? I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, sure. Sure. I got a, sure. I got a workshop. Yeah. How much you sell? Uh, 250 or 300. I didn't, you know, make it up and people like, yes. I'm like, Oh shit. I should have offered more. Uh, but I would just go through like the nuts and bolts. The, you do a day in the life, right? I would do a day in the life of a note investor. Here's what you do to find them. Here's what you do to raise capital to fund them. Here's what you do to flip them. So I kind of created the three S how to find fund and flip non-performing notes. And, you know, I did classes where there's 30 people or three people at it. But when you're, you know, kind of bootstrapping, you're glad that three people paid 499 bucks, you know, you know, for three days, that's, you're, you're living high in the hog then at that point, you know, no, no PB and J, I can go get some spam. Um, <laughs> you know, I um, roller. I roller. You, you're not having to eat ramen every night then at that point, but but that's a, that's a thing is don't be afraid to market. And what I realized a long time ago is that the fact that I was closing deals, I knew more than 95% of most people. And so I just shared what I, I did. I shared how I found these deals. I shared how I structured them. I shared what I said. 
I started filming myself on like my old Blackberry. There's a, there was a whole video out there of me on my Blackberry filming me calling banks and getting hung up on. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the, the biggest thing is just start sharing. Don't be afraid. You know, people worry about, Oh, how do I look on camera? I look fat. I'll start doing videos when I lose weight or my hair is not perfect. Or my makeup's not perfect or whatever. I'm like, you know, just, just do it. Just share the knowledge and with everything being and going to video these days, start doing it now. You know, you've got YouTube, which is the second largest search engine. Google owns it, obviously, you know. You have Facebook, which has the video. LinkedIn has now video features to it. Instagram TV, um, iHeartRadio is on videos now. You, you have all this stuff out here. Just start sharing. Share videos. doesn't have to be long, two to five minutes ideally, but just sharing the good, the bad, the ugly. And one thing that really helped myself along the way is I started a blog, a daily little blog. I called it 100K in 100 days. My goal was to make 100,000 in 100 days. Never done it before, but I just started sharing. Here's what I did today. You know, a little written blog and a photo or a short little two to five minute video when I did. And I did that every day on a blog. And by the time I got hit day 30, I had like 2,000 subscribers to the blog. And people were literally starting to email, oh, hey, I got a deal you might be interested in, or hey, I see what you're doing. I got 25 grand. Can I give that to you? To, can I lend that to you? I'm like, okay, I got my money here. Oh, I just started sharing. And, you know, I just gave what I did. There's days that were horrible. It's like, this sucked. But by the time I hit like day 56, I was too busy with deals coming in. I couldn't do the blog. So I, then I went back day 100, I'd made 150 grand because I'd shared and so much stuff was coming in from my network and that I was sharing, it just blew up like crazy. And I was like, I'm onto something here. And from that point on, I've done a lot of videos on webinars and I started doing uh, like almost a weekly webinar back in April, April 24th, 2011, I started doing a webinar. And I've done almost every Wednesday, at least 30 to 35 Mondays out of every year, doing a webinar every Monday night on some sort of subject or some sort of content or something. And uh, it just helped me blow up. Um, what was kind of funny for the videos is I was in four different cities. I was in San Antonio one night, a day and a half later, I was in like Austin at an investment club. And I flew to like, San Diego for another investment club. And then the, the like, fifth night I was in LA for another investment club. And every night there I'd walk in and somebody would come up to me and say, hey, you're that note guy. It was crazy. I was like, oh uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I watch your videos. You're great, man. Or I watch, you're that note guy. Or I love that you were, out walking in an apartment complex and you got sweat running down the dog was chasing you off like i didn't i wasn't like ty lopez i didn't have like a video crew on behind me i just had my my little dell flip cam and a you know a phone at the point but i just started sharing and it just blew up like crazy and it really helped me become who i am today i mean you started off in a media and a communications major in school and then you switched to business and it's like you're still using all of that, all of that experience today. So like, that's, that's pretty inspiring. So I was in Vegas a few months ago and I'm not married, but my spouse is we're pretty much my significant other. And I were talking and I was like, you know what? I just dawned, I was like, oh my, me doing these videos every week on Facebook, you know, every day on Facebook Live or every week, it's like my own note center. Welcome to note center, you know, kind of that kind of my own personal Dan Patrick. But yeah, you're right. The I think public speaking, the more you can do it, it's only gonna help you when you're out speaking or in crowds, and especially with so much being in social media today. Like I said, so much video, the more you can get comfortable in front of the camera and smile and, and, and even kind of poke fun at yourself and just be real, there, people love that. Just be real. If you're struggling, share it. The, the most successful people out there, not even just in the real estate, but the most successful people are the most approachable. 
And that's how We Close Notes got started. Since then, he started his own podcast, The Note Closer Show, branching off his video content that he posted on Facebook Live and diving in a little deeper on note investing. So I want to get into your podcast a little bit more. So you mentioned that you were just doing a bunch of videos and stuff like that, and you just wanted to translate it into a podcast. But what made the podcast different from the videos that you were doing, like on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever? And how did it all come about, I guess? So two years ago, um, I had a couple of my students that started a podcast for the note missing. And they did well with it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Great. I, it seems like a lot more work than what I want to do. And they were talking about how they were editing everything. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that much work. I'm busy enough as it is. You know, video, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. I can pull my camera out or I can jump on, you know, Facebook and do a Facebook Live really fast. I don't have to edit it. I'm good. And so I started, I had Kevin Harrington, who's one of the original sharks from Shark Tank. I was at an event and was speaking with him. And he talked about how video is really where everything is at, whether you believe it or not. Just start sharing with content with your audience. I was like, oh, okay. So that's what I did. I just started November 1st, 2016. I just pulled out my camera and I just started, so I'm going to do a Facebook Live every day. You know, it was, it was relatively new then at that point. Gary Vaynerchuk was doing a lot of, you know, the daily Vs at that point. And I was like, oh, I like Gary V. You know, that's great. Um, let me do, let me model it a little bit similar to that, but give my own kind of, my own flavor to it. So I just started a, a daily, we call, that's what we call the note closer show at the point. It was just a daily video about what was going on, what we were working on that day. And whether it was two minutes or 30 minutes, what were we focused on as a note investor? And I did basically nine months of those videos. And about month number seven, uh, a friend of mine was doing, was doing another podcast. His production guy came to me, said, you really should do a podcast. You get a lot of content. I'm like, no, it seems like a lot of work. He goes, no, we'll do all the work for you. you I'm like, well, do I have to recreate? He's like, no, just use the same things right now that you're using to record, whether it's Facebook or Zoom. We can use that and run with that. Go really, and my students that had done a podcast for two years, they told me literally one of the guys is like, "Yeah, I'm tired of it. We're not going to do it anymore." I'm like, "That's stupid. You got two years of great, got an audience there. You're really the only thing on iTunes." And like, "Yeah, we're not going to do it." I was like, "Okay, that's stupid. Um, I'm going to jump on that." And sure enough, I you know August 21st of 2017 was our first official podcast episode after doing 149 straight Facebook lives, and we just, we do it Monday through Friday if we can. Usually it's the first thing in the morning when we roll in. You know, we, we do it usually mostly Monday through Friday. You know, we have half interview style and then half me sharing a nugget of the day, you know, or a lesson of the day or something like that. So it's become, it's, it's revolutionized how we do business. So I get letters from people that listen to the podcast or it's, it's helped me with that coaching sales and my class of people like, oh, I came across your podcast. I want to sign up for your class because I heard you on, on iTunes or Stitcher. I'm like, wow. And one of the biggest things like two weeks ago, I do a, a, some one-on-one coaching and I had seven people that came to Austin to spend three days with me that paid 15 grand a piece. And three of them said that they came across me and listened to basically me for a month before they signed up. And it was because of my podcast that they signed up, which I was like, Duh, uh, there you go. Thank you. I was like, awesome. I, I can't give up the podcast now. I'm hooked. Totally. Oh Talk my about gosh. an ROI. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But but that's the thing. You know, with so many podcasters, they worry about trying to monetize. Like, oh, I need to get a sponsor. And you go to a sponsor. I'm like, well, first of all, you got to know who your audience is. My audience is note investors. They're primarily 35 to 65, college educated homeowners. They're interested in real estate or retirement. Uh, they are in management or a, 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 they have an owner title, COO, CFO, you know, that kind of stuff. 
And so that's who we kind of target. I mean, we do get some people outside of that, but that's our niche. You know, there's probably only really about 10,000 true like distressed note investors out there that are like me. It's not like half a million fix and flippers or a million rent landlords. It's a much smaller niche. So instead of trying to go wide, I went deep on, on what we do here. And we're really the only show in game now for the most. I'm one of three, three or four educators who've been doing it for more than a year. I was educated the year in 2014, which was kind of a nice honor. I was in the running for it again this year. But if I tell people, look, just start sharing. Don't don't overthink this. One nugget to you may may not seem like anything, but it's huge to somebody who's listening on the other end that doesn't know that. And I always try to be positive because you never know. Some people have emailed me and or sent me letters saying, I was in a horrible mood and I listened to your podcast and then your energy is just contagious. It got me through a bad point. Thank you so much. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, that's awesome. About. So that's a good segue into my next question that I want to ask. I saw your um, Facebook Live today. Was it today? The Reinvention Radio yeah, interview? Yeah, my buddy Steve Olsher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. I loved it. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question that you had asked um, Steve. You know, and you're dealing with a lot of clients that are going through financial hardships and things like that. How do you, you know, keep your emotions under check and like overcome tough hurdles with bad deals or like messy clients, things like that? Oh yeah. Good question. I will tell you, there are bad days. Everybody has bad days. You know, we, we have good days. We have bad days. Um, I'm a big believer in the 32nd rule. Like if something bad happens, if you keep putting bad energy and bad energy and bad energy after something went bad, you just ruin your whole day. You lose focus. And honestly, with quantum physics and everything, positive energy attracts positive things. Negative energy attracts more negativity. So I big in my office here to not to avoid long term like Debbie Downers, 30 seconds to bitch about something and we move on. That helps. Um, but we still have deals that go south. And, and the beautiful thing, this is a numbers game. Like I have like 300 and some odd assets that we're working through at any given point. So it's constantly changing. Like, you know, and this is also why I also put a lot of my work on my vendors because they handle most of the, 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 you know, they get the borrowers that are yelling at them. They're dealing with the F-bombs and things like that. So it's, it's reports back and forth. You know, I just, the biggest thing I can tell people is find something each day that helps you kind of center, whether it's, you know, meditation in the morning or you're sitting outside enjoying something or go for a walk. That wraps up part two in the Starting on a High Note series. Huge thanks to Scott Carson for sharing his wisdom through this Experience a Day in the Life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in the series to experience a day in the life of a real estate note investor. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash students. Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe.
If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.